today, I'm going to read the story, Guess How Much I Love You, by Sam McBratney, illustrated by Anita Jaram. Little Nut Brown here, who is going to bed, held on tight to Big Nut Brown Hair's very long ears. He wanted to be sure that Big Nut Brown Hair was listening. Guess how much I love you, he said. Oh, I don't think I could guess that, said Big Nut Brown Hair. This much, said Little Nut Brown Hair, stretching out his arms as wide as they could go. Big Nut Brown Hair had even longer arms, but I love you this much, he said. Mmm, that is a lot, thought Little Nut Brown Hair. I love you as high as I can reach, said Little Nut Brown Hair. And I love you as high as I can reach, said Big Nut Brown Hair. That is very high, thought Little Nut Brown Hair. I wish I had arms like that. Then Little Nut Brown Hair had a good idea. He tumbled upside down and reached up the tree trunk with his feet. I love you all the way up to my toes, he said. And I love you all the way up to your toes, said Big Nut Brown Hair, swinging him up over his head. I love you as high as I can hop laughed Little Nut Brown Hair, bouncing up and down. But I love you as high as I can hop, smiled Big Nut Brown Hair, and he hopped so high that his ears touched the branches above. That's good hopping, thought Little Nut Brown Hair. I wish I could hop like that. I love you all the way down the lane as far as the river, cried Little Nut Brown Hair. I love you across the river and over the hills, said Big Nut Brown Hair. Well, that's very far, thought Little Nut Brown Hair. He was almost too sleepy to think anymore. And then he looked beyond the thorn bushes out into the big dark sky. Nothing could be farther than the sky. I love you right up to the moon, he said and closed his eyes. Oh, that's far, said Big Nut Brown Hair. That is very, very far. Big Nut Brown Hair settled in Little Nut Brown ha- settled Little Nut Brown Hair into his bed of leaves. He leaned over and kissed him good night. Then he lay down close by and whispered with a smile. I love you right up to the moon and back. So you may be wondering why on this Sunday morning I'm reading Guess How Much I Love You. This book reminds me, first off, for you kids, reminds me how much your parents love you. They love you more than you can love them. And what, is your, what should your response be? What should you do? I think for you, the best thing you can do is obey your parents, not grumpily with a frown on your face, but happily with a happy heart. 
serve your parents happily. For those of us who are older, this book reminds me of how much God loves us. He loves us more than we could ever love him back. And what should our response be? Should we give up and not try? No. Instead, how about we do like it says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what does God want us to do? God wants us to love one another. And like your kids, don't love each other and serve each other with frowns on your faces and in your hearts. But love them. Love each other with joy and happiness. And that is how we can love God, is by loving each other. So then, don't want to miss my cue. It's my cue, right? So, um, John Toner, and today's message is on listening. The topic I was given was on listening, and I am choosing a, a scripture passage to build around that's familiar, probably, in, from Philippians 2. I'm going to make an unusual request. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second and just think of different conversations you get involved in different times when you're listening closely or maybe not when the other person is listening closely to you or maybe not and listen to these familiar words from Philippians 2 in the context of listening to one another and giving attention to one another this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to pray real quick. Lord, I really ask that you would keep me focused on track um, and help those here to actually lean in and listen. And I pray that you would speak to us something that I can't come up with. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to tell you a story as to why I am qualified to be your guide on the topic of becoming a better listener. And it's a story uh, happened about four years ago, and I shared it in church once, but uh, I think it's a good story. I'll tell it again. So Angela and I went out on a date, October the 7th, 2016, and I asked her a question. Our office was encouraging a lot of the leading agents to ask a dozen people a couple of questions. And so I asked Angela one of these questions, Angela, how can I be 
a better friend. She paused, organized her words to say exactly what she wanted. And she said this, she said, John, you tell me all the time that I am your best friend, but you're not my best friend. My girlfriends know all kinds of things about me that you don't know, because I don't tell you, because you don't listen. Now we've been married 35 years at the time. I love my wife dearly, she loved me. Uh, we both would say that we had a fantastic marriage and I did not always value her words, did not always pay attention and it hurt her. And that day was amazing. It was a definition of a wise reprover to a listening ear. She was very careful the way she phrased things and I was not defensive, surprise. I actually saw things from her point of view, saw her pain and it was amazing date. Lots of tears and um, all of that sort of thing. So I am not a naturally good listener by any stretch. And I am also a student of listening. And I am a much better listener than I used to be. And my wife would amen that loud and clear. So um, <clears throat> on the topic of listening, I want to uh, give a quick outline. We're going to review very quickly why you and I want to be better listeners. Um, we're going to look at some tips on how to be better listeners. We're going to look at some reasons why we don't listen, some enemies of listening. And then we'll wrap up by looking at Philippians 2 again as to how that applies to listening. So in terms of why listen, and this is the most important thing. You could go to seminars for a couple of days and learn all these techniques. However, if you don't have a good motivation to listen, you're not going to. And if you have a strong motivation to listen, techniques are helpful, but they're secondary. So why do you think we listen to anything or anyone at any point in time? Oh, that's right. You guys can't answer. Well, I will tell you, there's one word why, and it's the word value. That's all. We the more we value, the more we perceive that there is value in the information that is being directed to us, the more we pay attention and the more we listen. And the less we perceive that the information coming towards us has value, the less we pay attention and the less we listen. Period. That's it. And so if you want to be a better listener, then the one key is to choose to find value in things that sometimes you don't always have value in. For example, I mean, things where we have natural value. Um, I went to the eye doctor a month ago, and the eye doctor told me, Mr. Toner, you're going to need cataract surgery. That's surgery on your eyeballs while they're open and you're awake. Sounds scary. Well, all of a sudden, everything else she had to say, I'm paying attention because... It was scary and it had high value to me. Um, or if uh, you're driving down the road, you're kind of listening to the radio, maybe you're also talking on a cell phone, and then you hear the sound of screeching tires and broken glass. That radio fades, the call you're on fades, 
you don't have to muster up any energy to pay attention to the impending doom around you. It automatically has value to you, so you listen. And when uh, the other person or the content of information that's being directed your way, sometimes you have you naturally value it based on the person or the perception of the content. Um, when that's not the case, then you can choose to impute value to the person of the conversation. By the way, in our world in 21st century, there's all kinds of data and information being thrown at us all the time. And let's be honest, we should put up filters and block a lot of stuff out. It would be insane to say we're going to give 100% attention to every conversation. It doesn't make any sense. Between Angela and I, it makes no sense for me to always 100% hang on every word or vice versa. Um, so that's, I mean, we're talking about deep listening, which is something that we're not always going to be doing, but when we're doing it, these are some tips. Um, so let me ask, why, why did God create us? What purpose? I mean, we tell, there's a common phrase we use all the time. We say that Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. That Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, was buried, rose from the dead. And that was all to restore us in a relationship to our maker, to restore us in relationship to one another, and even to restore us in relationship to ourselves. And let me ask you this, what better way do we know one another and deepen relationship with one another than by close listening? It's a rhetorical question. Um, I don't think there is anything that we can do more. In fact, really, it's how we get to know one another the most. When we deeply listen, we are giving value to the other person. When somebody shares their heart with you, you feel more connected with them. And when you and I feel heard by another, it bonds us to them. You know, all of us long to be deeply known and we're deathly afraid of being found out both at the same time. So the more that we can create relationships and circumstances where we feel safe with one another, where you feel like your heart is safe in my hands, my heart is safe in your hands, and we can share what is really meaningful to us, the more we are connected. And of course, the opposite is also true. Oh my gosh, if you share your heart with someone and they keep looking at their watch, then you feel devalued. And you know, it's funny, in this world, <clears throat> the, um, the stock market has gone up and down a lot this year. Real estate values sometimes go down and up and all. When you have your money on the line, you want it to appreciate and go up. You don't want it to depreciate and go down. And there's, I can't think of anything else that we can do with one another to appreciate each other's value or depreciate each other's value 
and by how closely we listen and how closely we treasure one another's words. So the, re, the, the why, the motivation, is when we value something, we listen, and if we don't naturally value what's going on, we can still choose to find value. We'll go with that in a minute. So let's talk about some enemies of listening. Um, if you want to talk about that, you could go to the internet, find dozens of distractions and whatnot. I want to focus on a couple. My, uh, and not in particular order. My first one is judgment. When I judge you, I cannot influence you. When I judge you, I'm not listening to you. I've already made up my mind. And sadly to say, that is a, a marker of our current culture. We are rushing to judgment on just the slimmest piece of information and telling story after story and that is one of the main reasons why in our culture right now, politically, people don't hear each other because they've already judged each other. Second thing is self-centeredness. The more I'm centered on me and how important I am, the less I can hear you. And that shows up in a lot of different ways. I mean, it can be, um, for me, it shows up as a salesman. If I show up to somebody's house um, who's thinking about selling and maybe hiring me, the more that I feel insecure, the more I am worried, do they like me? Do they trust me? Are they going to sign up with me? Do I look fat in this listing presentation? The more I am insecure, then that makes me self-centered and it makes it harder for me to listen to them. Whereas if I find a way to show up not concerned about how they're receiving me, and more concerned about them than I am about me, it makes it easier to listen to them and to ask follow-up questions. So judgment is one thing that keeps us from listening. Self-centeredness, which shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, <clears throat> or a pridefulness and foolishness. Proverbs talks about both, and both pride and being a fool keep us from listening. It can be, you know, I know what you're going to say. You know, I, I already, you know, I, let me give you an answer. I can, I already know what you're going to ask me. Um, or they're telling, somebody's telling a story and say, you know, I know where this is going. In fact, I think I could tell your story better than you could. In fact, you know what? I think I'll just interrupt you right now and I'm going to finish your story. And I'll be so much more clever the way I say it. And I get a laugh from people and I get a, a dopamine hit. And I don't realize that I just cut you off and I just devalued you. Not that I know anybody like that personally. I, I, that, that was, I made that, that illustration totally random. Um, not. Uh, so judgment, self-centeredness, pridefulness, being a fool. There's a lot of other things that can, that can prevent us from listening closely, but those are a few that come to my mind. Tips on how to be a better listener. This too, you could find dozens and dozens of things on the, scripture, uh, on the internet. I have two. Number one is have a clear why and choose to value something that the, about the other person. And the second thing is ask questions. In terms of valuing why, okay, so um, this is some, I, I'll share something about me and Angela, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with her before. Hopefully it'll come out straight. She's listening in the other room. But um, I live in an imaginary philosophical universe, and when I blather on, that's what I talk about. 
and she's more concrete and realistic and let's get stuff done. So sometimes she'll want to talk with me and she'll say, John, I need to talk about some client things. I need to give you some details. And details are not inherently valuable to me. And so what I do is I choose to look at Angela and value her, not necessarily the details per se, but to realize this is important to her that I hear this. And it's important to her that she get a response. So I choose to value her more than necessarily the details that she's sharing. And that allows me to pay closer attention. Hopefully that makes sense. And I still have a happy wife. Um, but you can, that's, that's how you do it. You know, you're, you're buttonholed at church you know, by somebody who isn't inherently interesting to you. Remember that? Remember? In fact, just think about that. You know, it used to be like, you know, maybe somebody buttonhole you and you're thinking, oh my gosh, who else can I talk to? It'd be okay just to talk to that person right now, you know, to like be there. Like anyway, to put things in perspective. But um, to the extent that you can choose to find value in the other person, that is how you can pay attention. And then the second thing, ask questions. In fact, if you got a pen and paper, should have mentioned this earlier, if not, it's recorded, you can email me, it's real simple. I got seven ways to start a sentence to ask a good question in alphabetical order. If, how, what, when, where, who, why, and the phrase, tell me more. If, how, what, when, where, who, why, or tell me more. When you start a sentence with those words or that phrase, you are asking an open-ended question. And when you choose to value the other person and what they're saying, and you ask an open-ended question, they will talk they will open up. That was one of the things of my assignment, was not only how to be a better listener, but how to get people open up. That's the one-two punch. Show genuine interest, value the person, and then ask open-ended questions. So I'd like to get to back to the Bible. Oh yeah, remember the Bible and Jesus? You know, this might be an interesting uh, self-help class on how to be a better listener so you can be a improved salesman or counselor or whatnot, but yeah, Jesus, the Bible. Let's, let's bring that in here. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I, the number one thing I've taken away from listening to a certain Manhattan preacher named Tim Keller is the, con is the relationship between the word obey and the word listen. It has transformed my thinking. Um, in the Hebrew language, there is no word for obey. When you read the English word obey in the Old Testament, it is translating a Hebrew word either to listen or to heed. And I find that very interesting. In fact, like you th think of there's a famous verse in 1 Samuel 15. To obey is better than sacrifice. 
and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And in the Hebrew, it's saying to listen is better than sacrifice. And that is what God wants from you and me. He wants us to listen to him. Does he have a list of do's and don'ts? Yes. Is he most focused on whether or not we do the do's and don't the don'ts? No, not in my understanding. He is most interested in our heart. He's most interested in, what's that word? Oh yeah, relationship. And what he wants is for us to value his words above our own thoughts. What he wants is to believe him when he tells us something that there's more value to us in what he says than in what we think on our own. And when, I mean, in my Christian life, it is real, maybe you relate, I don't know, but in my Christian life, it's very easy to focus on doing the do's and don'ting the don'ts. And when you get them off and you don't the do's and you do the don'ts, then to feel bad and think that God's angry with me. And so then I need to do my own moral self-improvement program and start, you know, renewed commitment to don't the don'ts and to do the do's and, and, and all of that kind of thing. And I think that that is the wrong focus. I think that if we get caught up in doing the do's and don't the don'ts, that's like the, the dashboard light says check engine. The problem isn't the light, it's the engine. And the problem in our lives isn't doing the do's or don't the don'ts. It is listening to him in the first place and giving our heart to him. And <clears throat> of the things that I think he wants us to listen to, most of all, in this Philippians passage, let me find my thing on my screen here. Yeah. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. And the thing that it crosses my mind most of all, I mean, Jesus raised people from the dead. I'm not going to do that. Um, healed the blind. I'm not going to do that. Also says he often slipped away to the wilderness to pray. Yeah, I can do that. I think that's what God wants from you and me. I think he wants us to listen to him. That if you see you know, whatever the area of your life is when you're don'ting the do's or doing the don'ts, that should be a reminder to go back to him and say, God, why am I not listening to you? Where am I not valuing your words above my own thoughts? And come to him to be changed, not to change yourself. I... Some people use the phrase walking in victory. And if that works for you, great. I don't care for that phrase myself. I prefer to walk in surrender. To walk in surrender to his victory. And walk in surrender to his love for me. And the one thing that I think he most wants us to listen to. So funny, I was trying to pay attention to that video, which I didn't see before. The, uh, the nut brown hair. And um, guess how much I love you. That's what God wants you and me to hear. When he tells Jesus, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. 
if Christianity is this, we are, by the way, if you're wondering, I'm like 60 seconds from wrapping up. If Christianity, if we are these lowly sinners and Jesus lived this morally perfect life, but he chose to die on the cross so that we could take, put our sin on him. That's only half the picture. He also rose from the dead so that his perfect character could be imputed to us. We don't merely get rid of our sin and our guilt. We receive the good character and the perfect record of Jesus Christ. So it is true that when God looks at you and me in Jesus, he says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. And I'd like us to work on doing this do or donting this don't. It's always coupled with, you are my beloved son. God changes us when we listen to his love. This nut brown hair thing, the uh, um, guess how much I love you, that is absolutely positively what God wants us to hear. And the more that you and I listen to him, we'll be like Mary versus Martha. Martha was so worried. She was clanging pans in the kitchen because she wanted to prove her value. Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to his word to receive her value. The more we receive that value from God, the more we have the energy and the standing to do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind to regard one another as more important than yourselves because we already have our value from him. That's all I got. Thanks for listening.